Why is it that we're so obsessed with this idea that we must go to bed at the same time every night? Even a good sleeper is never, ever, ever going to get the consistent sleep every single night. They're never going to get that eight hours. They're never, ever going to do that because every day is different. And sometimes they are just going to take a bit longer to go to sleep. It is normal to get sleep problems. That is your body's way of adjusting to change. Hello and welcome back. This is Exeter Real. I am Tracy Duke and this is where leaders create leaders. Produced by Felix Northover and recorded in current circumstances via Zoom, we ask the question, what does it take to thrive in a world of both challenge and opportunity? And most importantly, how do we build the resilience and leadership skills to get us there? In this unprecedented time of global chaos and uncertainty, now more than ever, we as leaders, entrepreneurs and change makers need to dig deep and draw on our innate abilities to problem solve, innovate, and instill a sense of calm to allow us to lead with confidence. And now more than ever, we need to be getting clear on the facts, differentiating between what's real and what's hype, and building common sense conversations around the truth to make the best decisions for those relying on us. And now more than ever, we need to bring our focus back to our own mental health and wellness in order to bring our skill sets to the table and to continue thriving. My guest today is Stephanie Romyshevsky, a consultant physiologist. She is the founder of the Sleepy Head Clinic here in Exeter and a Channel 4 series sleep expert. Working in the wellness and medical industry, both with NHS and private clients, Stephanie specializes in complex sleep cases, developing bespoke treatment plans for her clients. Because, and let's be honest here, feeling tired sucks. It leads to irrationality, deterioration of health and well-being, and a breakdown in communication skills, among a whole stream of other negatives. Get it right, however, and sleep will magnify every positive aspect of your being to an extent greater than diet or even exercise. Leading experts across the globe agree that getting sleep and recovery right is crucially important and possibly never more so than now as we arm ourselves in our fight against COVID-19. Stephanie, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you to the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You are so welcome. But before we get going, I have to ask you, how are you doing? How's oh. it all going? I know you're out there in the hospitals. I know you're seeing clients and patients. How are you feeling? It's, it's weird because you go into the hospital and there is a feeling of tense, even though they are so amazing in there. They are so incredibly prepared as much as they possibly can be. They are doing so well. But there is still this sort of tense atmosphere. Um, and then there's certain meetings that you attend and things like that that, you know, bring it to the forefront and remind you <laughs> if you had forgotten um, what's going on. And then you go home to your own little bubble um, and you're doing all your routine and you're trying to keep your well-being going and all the rest of it. Um, and so it feels like almost two different worlds in a way. Um, so yeah, it, I feel lucky to have purpose at the moment. I feel incredibly lucky to have that um, and to be able to help people. Um, but at the same time, uh, yes, it, 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 it's a strange time, but I'm, I'm getting on with it as much as possible and sticking to good routines, I have to say. Routine is everything to me when things are- So important. To be. Yes. So, so important. Will you look vibrant? 
<laughs> Thank you. That's the makeup. <laughs> <laughs> but really, but you know, listening to what you you've said there, it's. I don't know whether it's just you, but I know me, for example, as well. There's almost a little sense of of guilt in my feeling towards being so respectful of, of those that are out there on the front line helping us right now, but also massively appreciating this time that we've got, if we have it available to us, yeah, yeah. To, to kind of... To, you know, I mean, my creativity has gone through the roof. I don't know about you, but, you know, like, when does that happen? Um, so it's just that balance of feeling, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, you, you have nothing to feel guilty for. Nobody feels that anyone should be feeling any guilt right now, especially not those on the front line. They are happy that everyone is trying to follow the guidelines as much as they can. They know it's a struggle uh, for all of us because we're social creatures. We want to be outside. We want to be doing things. We're just humans. That's the way we are. Um, but we're all important. I know the front line is being targeted at the moment, but usually they don't. They don't get a lot of press, do they? Or at least not good stuff that they really should get. So this is lovely, I think. But actually, in the real world, there's lots of important people out there. The jobs that we all do are incredibly important. Yeah. Um, it's just that right now we need a certain set of skills, ones that we never really prioritized before when we were thinking about our economy and how we keep things going. Um, and so in a way, I like to see the positive in that, but I totally understand that. There are people that are thriving in isolation. There are people that are feeling incredibly guilty. There are people that are really, really struggling, really struggling. Um, and it's difficult, I, you know, watching the television and there's people trying to be positive, but at the same time, I can see and have heard of stories of some of my clients and my friends and family struggling because they're listening to people who are thriving in isolation and they are not themselves, especially those who may, maybe, maybe they're single with children. Um, I've got a friend who, um, her husband is on the front line and is isolating away from the family and she's dealing with two children under two, um, on her own. Um, and, um, that it's a huge struggle so it's just I think it's all about communication but what the irony in what I do and the fact that we are now really relying on technology to stay social and we're actually using it in a really positive way which before I feel like we were struggling with yes yeah I get that 100% get that it's bizarre it is we're in the most bizarre circumstances it's just yeah. it's surreal it's surreal Okay, let's jump into conversation and, and let's start with sleep because, you know, that's, that's your field. You are an expert. I know you've had experience working with the media um, to get your message out there and to work with, with clients. Um, and I guess now more than ever, sleep has to be a priority. And yet, bizarrely, it's the one thing that many of us are lacking at the moment. Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, this is one of my favorite <laughs> topics. Um, but uh, yeah, in general, sleep is really important. But what I would hate for people to uh, listen to this and, and for it to come across like is that I want to add another pressure to uh, a society of people who at the moment are feeling under pressure. For whatever reason, there's always pressure and guilt. Guilt and pressure, I feel like that's what we mostly are yes. suffering with at the moment. Um, and so um, while sleep is incredibly important, I also, the message that I am mostly always trying to give out, but especially at this time, is that we don't need to make it something else to worry about. There's actually some very clear and very quick, pragmatic, evidence-based ways to help you. And it's not 
you know, hundred tips and doing things in exactly the right way in order to make you sleep because actually that's making people feel really inadequate and it's making people feel alone and isolated when those things don't work. So just remember that while sleep, yes, it's incredibly important. We are here. If you're listening to this and you are still here, which means you are alive, which means your sleep is working well because we can survive without our sleep. So it's better to look at it in a positive light. And yes, we can work on improving it. And I always say, don't fix it if it's not broken. That's really important. So I don't want people to listen to this and start feeling like they've got a pressure to fix something when actually they didn't perceive it to be a problem. It'd be lovely if they came out of this learning something, but I definitely don't want to be scaremongering or um, worrying people into poorer sleep, which is unfortunately something that has recently happened. And I think that's because sleep is a fairly new medicine. Of course, we've been doing this our entire lives and it's been going on for centuries. You can't get rid of sleep. It didn't just start one day. But actually, as in terms of the medicine that we started to research, that's fairly new. And of course, when you suddenly get a sort of a zeitgeisty area of medicine, which I feel sleep has suddenly become, you get all of the negative and the positives of having that kind of platform. And so everyone wants to talk about sleep. And of course, just like everybody else out there and everything out there, there'll be some very evidence-based things coming across, but there'll also be some some myths and things that are a bit nonsensey, but are worrying people nonetheless. So I try to stick to a very sort of Uh, practical and evidence-based way of looking at it but also from a human being's perspective because as scientists sometimes we get it wrong because of the way we disseminate information because we're not really taught that and 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 in terms of research methods and how research actually works and recommendations and guidelines and what do we really need to take away from that is really important Um, but yes sometimes we get it a bit wrong even us scientists who are trying to do the right thing Um, so yeah it's all about getting the message right making it really easy and practical and positive that's what we need as human beings otherwise it gets too complicated and we all get too anxious and then we stop sleeping yeah and 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 it's bringing everything back to its core you know let's let's dismiss what we don't need to be considering what do we really need to know right now and build on that yeah absolutely And, and just keeping it super simple um and, and, and not putting, like I keep saying, pressure on yourself or your sleep. That's the biggest thing I think that people are doing right now is just sort of, you know, blaming themselves or their sleep for things that um, they don't need to be. You know, you're doing the best that you can right now. Please don't add any more pressure. Yeah. yeah. So let, let's just talk about the, the, the sleep. You know, why, why do we need? Let's go back to basics. OK. Why, why do we need to sleep? That is a very loaded question, but I understand why you're answering. So we actually time. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) Um, We have we actually have a very little understanding of sleep, though there are things that we obviously know now. We know that when we take sleep away, that it is not good for our health, not good for our psychological or our physical health. And the way you described it at the beginning there in your introduction was perfect and beautiful. Absolutely, everybody knows what it's like not to have a good night sleep and indeed if you didn't sleep at all if you just didn't sleep if it just suddenly went away you would eventually not be here anymore you couldn't survive without sleep but the beauty of sleep is that the first thing your body will do when it has a lack of sleep will be to build this drive of sleepiness that you need in order to sleep so the irony is the more time you spend awake the more your body will and first and foremost before it makes you sick before it gives you any other symptoms, it will try to make you sleep. 
So actually being sleep deprived significantly is quite difficult to do. And in fact, some people, um, you know, back in the sort of 70s and 80s were trying to do these kind of experiments where they would try and stay awake for as long as they could. And in the end, when you get right to the end of that, um, sort of that, that, that time that they're spending awake, they would have to have people prodding them to try and keep them awake. So it is actually a lot harder than we think to stop sleeping. But <laughs> insomnia then is a very complicated uh, disorder and one of the most common in sleep medicine, but it isn't actually sleep deprivation the way that we are led to understand what that means, a complete lack of sleep. Okay, and it's, I find it interesting in the way as humans we've evolved over the years um, and learned to adapt and learn to change and yet the one thing, I mean there may be others but the, the, the thing, you know, the aspect that jumps to mind now is the fact that we've never had to adjust our sleep. It's, that's, that's not something we've evolved out of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why we've got loads of scientists all over the world in the army and in governments and all sorts of areas. Of course, they want to do something to make this process more efficient because it's not that efficient, is it? To spend some of our day completely not sort of awake, um, open to threats, uh, which would have been a bigger issue when we were, uh, you know, uh, fighting off uh, bigger sort of um, monsters than World Cup. Well, very different monsters to the ones that we are dealing with right now today yeah. um but um yeah so <laughs> it, it's something that we haven't really been able to adapt but saying that interestingly in a lab we can manipulate your sleep to do what we want to do but what we have to do is take away all the environmental cues so our sleep is although we have a strong drive what we call it homeostatic sleep drive so a strong drive to sleep which is governed by your sort of sleep wake uh, process so the more time you spend awake the more time you or the, the more of a build-up you need and, and you need to dissipate that by sleeping and, and same with your wake time um, but you also are heavily influenced by your environment and so you know light is the most influential external factor on your sleep uh, it's very important for your sleep so getting lots of light exposure in the morning actually helps regulate your sleep at night so whilst we're busy doing all these funny things uh, before we go to bed actually you need to start thinking about your sleep from the moment you wake up in the morning yeah, in terms of what you're doing absolutely but then i mean people will argue that industrial revolution changed our sleep and suddenly we were sleeping for longer periods at night but actually when you look at the evidence back from that actually the evidence is still there that one block of sleep was something preferred and something that your body would have wanted over anything else um, we know that when you get that you um, live longer you are healthier um, and, and and indeed left to your own devices if we really did take away everything else that is around about what your body would want to do give you one block of sleep rather timing than, of which will be different rather than um, mini blocks of sleep so that's polyphasing isn't there i know there's been lots of experiments yeah yeah, and you can, yes, you can do it, but it's it's really hard, really, really difficult to not to very special. <laughs> Absolutely not, exactly, and that's why I think we're all obsessed with getting the ideal sleep because we all want to be on this nine to five schedule where our friends and family are, you know. And when you're not sleeping, one of the biggest issues with that is the the way you feel in terms of loneliness, the way you feel when you are up in the night and it feels like you're the only one that's up in the night because in your close vicinity or even in your social network, you probably are one of the only ones at that point in time. 
that is actually up. So I can totally see why this becomes a bigger issue than just not sleeping. Suddenly you're kind of taken away from your social, your usual social context. And, um, you know, psychologically, that's really hard to cope with, as well as the physiological stuff that starts to happen when you're not getting what you usually get. And, and, and also it's, um, you know, it's taking into account our, our circadian rhythms, which is something that I'm really always curious about and we would we were talking earlier about how for example you know I know for me that the morning part of my day yeah. is always the productive time it's the admin day it's the you know a time it's the when you can fire off the emails and make logical decisions the afternoon I know that I sort of move into that creative phase which I think yeah. is very similar to you and, and that's what I'm guessing um you know it's, I'm, I'm not it's not unique to me no, not at all. Um, but we do have lots of different people ha who have slightly different timings to sleep. So we sleep on a around about a 24 hour cycle. And by that, I mean, we spend a chunk of that time awake. And then because we are not nocturnal creatures, we need to sleep at nighttime. And that is because, as, again, light is such an influential factor. Light seems to reduce our melatonin levels, which is a sleepy hormone, which oh. does help the initiation of our sleep. Um, and so if you're suppressing them, then it, it makes sense that we sleep at nighttime when there is no light to affect that melatonin. So that gets to work the way it needs to. Um, so yeah, we sort of sleep over that 24 hour cycle. And yes, we can kind of see what hours most people are sleeping and what hours most people are awake, but they're all slightly different. Most of us are the sort of the same but you will have people that have a preference for mornings for example and, and getting up early and going to bed early and you'll have people <laughs> and me um uh, but you'll also have people that have a preference for the evenings and going to bed later but then to be honest i mean i'm more of a behaviorist than anything else in what i do because i understand and have been training for many years and, and doing lots of experience in this area that actually our behavior can influence so much about our bodies and i know a lot of people that will say that they are a certain type morning or evening but effectively they've trained themselves to be like that so of course if you oh, stay up for longer and you've got the lights on for longer and you're doing things that you would use usually do during the day in the evening eventually because your brain is super smart and it's constantly learning like a small puppy it will eventually make you more alert in the evenings and make you more creative in the evenings so you know are you really a morning person are you really an evening person there's lots of evidence to show that even if you think you are you can train yourself to be something else and and not that hard it wouldn't be that hard for you to do it either saying that there are a bunch of disorders in sleep medicine called circadian rhythm disorders and those are people that literally they really do want to wake up early and go to bed early and by that I mean waking up seriously early so we're talking about two three in the morning and they want to you know um, go to bed very early or the opposite to that delayed sleep phase when you want to go to bed really really late and get up really really late and you might be thinking oh that's the teenagers and absolutely as we go through that teenage stage of um you know, growing, um, we do. Our, our, our natural circadian rhythm seems to prefer to go to bed later and to, to have a bit longer of a sleep duration and to be getting up later. But that doesn't seem to last as we go through into adulthood when actually our sleep tends to stabilize up until we die. But then there's lots of other behavioral and environmental factors that will affect that. But there are people that have significant 
problems and we do call those advanced sleep phase or delayed sleep phase syndromes where um, they really are struggling and unfortunately in those people whilst we do have treatment which often requires lots of light therapy so we use light boxes and things like melatonin because that sleepy hormone that we all have does seem to regulate our sleep-wake cycle somewhat they will find it incredibly difficult to try and regulate it back to that nine to five schedule, that schedule that all of our family and friends are on. Um, and so whilst we can do something about those people and really help, they have to stay on a really regimented schedule. So if you're not one of those and you know you haven't had that since birth, then probably it's largely behavioral and there is something that we can do about it, which is fantastic news. And so that gets me thinking about my own circumstances and my own children um you know i've got um so two at university age um one my youngest is 14 and so what i'm thinking is at what point do we start thinking okay we might have a problem here so for example um you know i know that naturally now because they're not getting up and noah's not getting up and going to school for example you know i know that he's sleeping in and i can watch his his um kind of natural obviously when he gets up for school i have to mm. encourage him to get yeah. up for school but now we've sort of flipped back to almost holiday mode and i can see his his whole yeah. rhythm his whole day changing yeah um you know and so at 14 i can see that you know maybe he's he's going to bed at 11 getting up at 10 mm. um and then my elder kind of who in, in their sort of late teens and, and early 20s again can work quite happily into the early hours Mm. and not think twice about it yeah. is that normal or at what point do we think okay we need to address this so <laughs> so it is normal uh, for their ages um but the, at the points where you'd want to address it is well one you need to think about in your circumstances in your in your environment and your society in the household um how hard is it to get them back to the cycle that they need to be on for school for work and things like that if actually they can bounce back fairly well after a few days of going back to it yes they might not feel comfortable then that's a sure good sign that actually you know what it's okay and yes naturally if we could leave them and indeed we're doing lots of studies and, and uh, new things in the government to potentially move schooling hours and all sorts of things but actually if, if it's fairly you know you can go back to a normal schedule or one that fits in with the family then okay fine you know you've got a serious problem i mean you've just said you have to encourage them to get up but actually people that are really struggling with this kind of problem that you know they really have a disorder on their hands that they've had potentially since birth that might be something genetic they are people that physically have four or five alarms they can't get up people are ringing them people are shrugging them people are they cannot get up you know getting up before midday for example is completely impossible and trying to get them to sleep before any kind of time, no matter what environmental things you put in their way, um, no matter how much relaxation, no matter how much sleepiness you give them, they are not going to bed within the normal times. So it's more about how it's affecting you outside of that. So, you know, how hard is it to get up? what happens to you during the day you know are you there are you even awake in your in that in that daytime or are you in a complete fog and when i say complete fog i mean it's incredibly hard to hold down a job it's incredibly hard to do your schoolwork, and you start to see everything slowly start to fall and that's when potentially we might need to get involved and, and get a sleep specialist to try and help regulate them back onto a cycle that would help them Perfect. So it's really obvious if there is a problem yes it's really clear and obvious. yes <laughs> yeah. yes
Beautiful. So don't need to worry just yet. No, 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 no. Unfortunately, teenagers are just able to do things that we can't do anymore. Oh, and staying up really late. Yeah, exactly. So, okay. So let's. Whilst we're on the, whilst we're talking about the the, the children and the, and the teens, obviously they are going to be feeling their own levels of pressure and anxiety during this Absolutely. time, which you know can very likely affect how easy it is for them to fall asleep, whatever. And you know, I know as parents, especially when we're when we're we're driven and we're go getters and we make things happen, um, you know, we need to take a step. Do we need to be taking our, our foot off the pedal a bit and just saying, you know what, no, let's just let them get through this time. You know, they've got we know they've got exams and, and everything else and the pressure they've got, but do we just at this point just say no, just let them go on, sleep when they want, just let it go. I think it's important to have some kind of routine, like you need to keep to routine. Your body wants that anyway, left to its own devices with no sort of environmental cues, you would sleep in some sort of cycle. Most of us would sleep in some sort of cycle. So you do want to keep something up. I do think, and coming back to this idea of pressure that, you know, whilst it's fantastic that we're trying to keep up schoolwork and we're trying to keep up everything the way it would normally be, again, you've got to reflect on how this is affecting the children. You know your kids best, you know what they do best and how they work well. So it's a bit of sort of keeping evaluating it every now and again you know how are they getting on what what's going on but also trying to maintain some kind of schedule and actually it's very similar to what we would tell the adults you know um the simple things are trying to get up at the same time every day that is helpful for teenagers i get that the, that is a bit of a struggle if you can allow them to do a schedule which kind of works for them fair enough that's great if they're getting their schoolwork and and everything done but bear in mind that that shouldn't be changing significantly from day to day. So if you've got a kid that's literally going from, you know, getting up at 10 and then 11 and then 12 and then one, and then it's all really sporadic, obviously you can't really run your day effectively and you can't really get free schoolwork really well when you're just not up at the same time. Your body doesn't understand when you want it to be alert, when you want it to be sleepy. It's all over the place. So any kind of regulation is key, but I think dictating to people when they should be getting up and when they should be going to bed is not very wise because we are all at different stages of our lives. We all have different things going on but the, the general key is once you've found a good wake-up time for you that maybe works with either work or how you feel um, whatever responsibilities you have that kind of stuff um, then sticking to that is helpful those of us that try to lie in at the weekends if you want more out of your well-being if you want more out of your health if you want more out of your sleep you'd be better off not trying to accumulate enough sleep debt to be able to lie in that much you know sleep debt isn't great for us when we're sort of actively doing it if you see what i mean like wouldn't it be better to just actually have a really great night's sleep most nights rather than a very specific schedule of five days on and two days off you know, it, you know, I'm not saying we have to be like robots every night. That is not the way it works. You know, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. That is not what I am saying. But in a way, having this routine, this very specific pattern of five days on, two days off, that is kind of a perfection in a way. And I, I would rather you not let your body get used to that kind of schedule. Make it more sporadic. Yes, have time off. Have a lion every now and again if you've had, you know, a sneaky drink or a late night dinner or you watched an episode of something that you shouldn't know it's not the end of the world but as soon as you get into habits 
that fall away from your normal routine, then that's when you're going to start seeing problems. Yeah, perfect. I get that. So I'm a 6am girl. I, <laughs> that's my time. If I've, if I've had a night, a, a late night the night before and I have, you know, and I sleep in past six, I'll feel it for the rest of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that inertia, the headaches, oh, just awful. So it's better for me just to say, right, okay, I, you know what? I'll take the hit on this one. I had six hours yeah. sleep, still get up, and then I feel yeah. better. Yeah, it is better actually. Um, and yes, maybe later on in the day, you might have a bit of a flag, but it will be a more healthy flag. It will be your a nice strong sleep drive, getting you prepared for perhaps a more efficient sleep the next night. So the thing that we do that's wrong, um, and I hate using those words, but in general, as a society, we're all a bit, we all do this a little bit, is that we try to dictate how to fix things when our bodies are actually super amazing, really. They can, they're so efficient. Your sleep, when it, when it requires something that it's not getting, it will boost the efficiency. It will actually fix itself, essentially. So if you have a lack of sleep or it's very fragmented the night before, and instead of lying in, Instead of having a nap in the afternoon, instead of putting yourself to bed early, even if you don't feel like sleeping, if you were just to leave it and allow your body to tell you in the evening what it should be doing, i.e. go to bed when you're feeling really, really sleepy um, and getting up at the same time every day, you will notice that you're, it will just be better. You, you'll just notice that. It's a bit like, a, and we've all had experience of this, if you've ever been out for a good night out or maybe a wedding, I always think a wedding's a good one because most of us have been to one of those and you, you stay up later dancing, you might eat a bit too late, maybe you have one too many drinks. That night of sleep, well, it's probably a write-off, isn't it? But how often is it that the next night do you have like this amazing recovery sleep where you're like, oh gosh, I needed that because you know, you were missing some of it. And that isn't you sleeping more, that's your sleep being more efficient. So without you adding more time to your sleep, and actually even in the research, it shows that actually the duration of sleep is the last thing to change. Maybe you might get a slight increase in duration of sleep when you're missing sleep, but it's actually the quality of your sleep that changes the most. And that's what we really should be thinking about. But instead we think, oh gosh, I've lost four hours. I need to gain four hours. And in your plight to gain those four hours, your expectations are pushing you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And when you don't get those four hours, you feel something's missing and you start to get anxious and stressed because you read about all these studies of people that aren't sleeping enough. And then, of course, you are going to bed feeling really worried and stressed and, and you start perpetuating a sleep problem all because your behavior changed and not because of the original trigger. Okay. So it's, it's funny how our behavior is so effectful of our, of our body. Our bodies are fascinating. If we, uh, you know, I talk about, you know, tuning in and listening to that gut feeling, you know, and it, and it comes up, it raises its head in almost every conversation is that if we can just do that and listen to our bodies, it will guide mm. us. It will set the alarm bells off. Yeah. It will raise con and its concerns and it will look after us if we allow it to. Yeah, but it's so hard to do that in a, in a world where we are governed by technology and all these other social cues and all the things that we're made to feel guilty and lots of pressure about. Of course, that's difficult. But actually, when it comes to sleep, it is a bit harder because if you haven't slept well, of course, your body's going to make you feel like you could just sleep for hours and hours or, or when you wake up, you might want to sleep for hours having naps in the day because your body's making you feel sleepy. So you do, it, interestingly, with sleep, there is a little bit of education you need 
in order to in order to sleep well but then that's the same as eating isn't it because if you're starving and you're desperate for food the first thing you'll reach for is glucose anything with sugar anything with that lovely sugar fat ratio in it and then the sugar crash don't talk yeah I've had more than my fair share of yes me too (laughs) Um, but we all know, you know, but if we just listen to our bodies all the time, it's kind of, it's hard, it's hard, isn't it? To That terminology, I totally agree with you, but it is quite hard because at the same time, if we completely listen to our bodies, when we've been doing the wrong behaviors, we will perpetuate a cycle that isn't healthy for us. So we do need a little bit of the right education to start with. And that's hard, isn't it? Because then it relies on our habits and how we feel to to try and change it. And that's the same with sleep. All the things that I get people to do at the beginning, they're like, oh my God, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. But what they're assuming is that it will always be hard. And actually after about a week of doing it, it's not hard anymore because you're used to it and you're starting to wake up feeling refreshed when you wake up at the same time every morning because your brain's like, oh, she's done it again. She's woken at the same time. So we're starting to get this idea that she doesn't want her melatonin to be up. She wants her serotonin to be up. She wants to be feeling good. Good, happy alert she's moving and she's eating that must mean she's you know going to be going to work soon your brain is fascinating how it works but it is largely governed by our behavior so it's that we've got to change first okay beautiful so i'm going to wrap this conversation up a little while later with those 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 those, those tips and the, and the behaviors okay. that we can work on okay. what i love to do is to 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 move into talking about our key workers right now so, you know, our, the government, the, those on the front line in the NHS, um, you know, I, it just amazes me that the resilience that they're showing right now um, and the work that they're putting in, the hours that they're putting on in straight off the back of massively reduced and affected sleep. Yeah, absolutely. But let's not, I just don't want to forget about everybody else, like the bin men that are still going out and collecting our bins. Um, Things like the people that are still, um, yeah, the deliveries that we get, you know, the online stuff we're ordering, that everyone's, there's people behind that whole process that are still working for you in order to be able to get those things that you've delivered to your door. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And with so many furloughed staff as well, you know, I, I know that the, the you know teams have just been reduced to the bare minimum, and yeah. what they're doing is phenomenal. Absolutely. Um, so that in itself, obviously, is a higher pressure, and you're going to work with a risk that we never thought when we 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 wanted to go into the occupations that we did that we'd be going into. You didn't go to work thinking, well, I might get terribly sick today. And, that, and that's a risk that I'm willing to take and therefore I'm going into this career. Most of us didn't think like that. And so suddenly we are dealing with a range of emotions and a way of cognitive thinking that we weren't really prepared for. So yeah, that psychological aspect of it is hard right now. So as with most things, sleep is a very psychophysiological condition. That means it's affecting your cognitive abilities and, and your psychology and your mental health but it's also affecting you physiologically. Um, And so we've got this added pressure and these stresses that we weren't really taught to deal with from a young age. We were never really taught about these kind of talked about monsters earlier on, these scary monsters like the lions and the tigers we would have had to fight off once upon a time. Now we're dealing with very different kind of fears and our brains aren't adapted to that at all. Um, And then we've got the very physiological stuff. So our routines have changed. 
people are telling me that they are dreaming a lot more for example at the moment that they have this lovely well lovely lovely I call it a lovely fatigue because we all seem to be suffering for this ridiculous fatigue at the moment that it's not sleepiness but even I've been getting it a little bit because obviously even my sleep schedule has changed that that is just normal when we're going through something like this but everyone is starting to get this kind of lethargy through the day and it and it is because of a lack of routine it is because we are thinking differently um and it's also because you know we aren't able to do the things we once did so not only is our routine changed but we are we are less exposed to the outdoors for example we are less exposed to more stimulation that we're used to our brains are used to fatigue doesn't come from doing too much usually it doesn't come from you know um not sleeping in the right way though that does cause fatigue as well it is more from the lack of doing that causes fatigue it is it is usually fatigue is a sign that you need to do something different to what you're doing now so when you are physically fatigued it may be that you need to sit down but that doesn't mean that your brain needs to switch off when you're mentally fatigued it usually means you need to go for a walk and listen to the birds and bees and look at some green and some blue exactly and move your body um so fatigue is an interesting one and it is not the same as sleepiness either but that is one of the biggest things that we are uh, getting at the moment so it's the anxieties that this is causing getting lots of patients contact me about the anxiety and and not being able to get to sleep and, and maintain it then you've got this weird lethargy this this fatigue all the way through the day and then you've got these bizarre dreams it's all normal it's all totally normal processing when you're sleeping your brain is processing what went on through the day exactly so there's lots of things going on and so we do and i don't know if you want me to say it here but um, there are there's the key the key things that we're talking about do you want do yes. you want me to mention it yeah um so the first thing is and it seems really simple and i'm sure you've heard people say, say it before and you've effectively just said it there but you must put your day to bed now what what does that actually mean when somebody tells you to put your day to bed what that means is exactly the opposite to what most of us do which is suppress all the negative feelings that we think are wrong and I don't know how we have been taught that emotions are wrong. There are certain emotions that we have that are wrong. Every single emotion we have is a way of your body telling you that there is something that needs to happen, some change or something's happening to your brain. It doesn't mean bad or good. It just means change. And so we've got to accept any feelings that we have. And therefore, if you're feeling low or anxious or you haven't properly really talk to anyone that day about how you're feeling it doesn't matter what it's about it doesn't matter what your worry is about don't don't judge yourself about what you're worrying about if it's different from the next person or you don't feel it's as good as what they've got to worry about but you've got to process that stuff because if you don't process it and i mean by talking to someone by writing stuff down by doing something that you know will help you to think about it differently or put it in a box or organize it in your brain somehow then you will start dealing with that in your sleep so we've got to process it now what that does not mean which a lot of people think it does is i just need to go and relax that's the thing you do after processing so relaxation does not get rid of all that stuff that you haven't processed so you've got to find a way to process it first. So you cannot just suppress all the negative feelings, go and relax for an hour and then expect your brain to be like, yeah, that's fine because you were all Zen-like for an hour. No, 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 no. Relaxation is fantastic. Anxiety reduction is really good as well. But we should be doing that stuff all the way through the day to bring ourselves back to balance. What it's not, we're not saying is you can use it as this reactive tool just before you go to bed to get rid of all that stuff that happened to you during the day. So any way that you can try to 
process. So processing, think a bit, a bit like a computer or other things that have to process stuff. That is what you are, one giant computer. And so whether that's talking to someone, whether that's writing it down, whether that is finding your own way, and it doesn't matter what you do, process it first, allow yourself to have time to think about it, even allocate time to worrying, that's allowed, you're allowed to worry, don't let someone tell you you're not allowed to, but allocate your time and then say, okay, I've done that now, now I'm going to move on and I'm going to chill out because I feel better because I've processed a little bit, and then your body's physiological process of being able to fall to sleep will happen a lot easier if you've done that, whereas unfortunately a lot of our sleep specialists, what we'll say is just, you know, process the day. What does that mean though? And so people get these apps and they sort of put them on and expect them to work after five minutes. And of course it's not, and we're waking up in the night. Um, so, so that's one thing we've got to do. The other thing is we've got to stop dictating when we go to bed. You just need to go to bed when you're sleepy and you can't dictate when that is. You have thousands of variables that affect you during the day. It will be crazy for me to iron out every single one of them right now. And you would be like a robot if you, if you try to control every single one of them. So instead of all of that, just think to yourself, you know what? I've had a weird day. It's not been the same as the day before. Therefore, why, how do I assume, why do I assume that I'm going to be going to bed at 10 o'clock the same as usual? I'm just going to wait until I feel sleepy. And that's what you need to do. And then when you're sleepy, your sleep will come. It's as simple as that. You don't can't. worry about it. You cannot force sleep. It will never work. All but, the and candles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Those are all great, but not if your expectation is that they will fix your sleep. They may help you to relax and reduce your heart rate. They may calm you down, but that is what they're designed to do. They are not designed to elicit sleep, to, to bring it to the, to the forefront. They might facilitate it a bit if you've already got that lovely sleep drive, if it's already late enough to you to be sleepy. And the only thing we'd really say to dictate is to try to get up around about the same time every day. Um, and morning, right? Yeah. Exactly. So if you, so weirdly, isn't it strange how we consistently try to dictate our bedtimes, which is funny to me um, because of the science. But then when it comes to lying in, we're like, oh, that's fine. We're all allowed to lie in. It's socially acceptable to lie in, but yeah. seems not to be socially acceptable to allow your body to do what it needs to do. So if we just twist it around on its head a little bit, you know, start dictating your morning routine, get up, get out, get those lights on. Why are we all getting ready in the dark? It's yeah. ironic. Yeah. We need all that stuff. Get all the family up. Do it all at the same time every day. And then if you're all going to bed at different times in the evenings, that is okay. As long as you've all wound down and you're feeling good and you're not doing the same stuff that you do during the middle of the day. So your body knows that it's kind of a different time. That's all. Yes. But, but yeah. The morning routine has been something that's been very, very consistent for me for a, a, a more years than I can count. And I have it as the bedrock of my day. If my morning routine goes to pot, then you guarantee that the rest of the day will as well. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, morning routine is really important. But like I said before, don't let perfection be the enemy of the good. Sometimes it's not going to work for you. And so all I would say on those days when it all goes to pot, just think to yourself, oh, well, sod it. I'm allowed to have a day. I'm allowed to. And that would be perfect rather than, oh, it's because I didn't do this, that and the other. We just put too much pressure on ourselves. It's like a screaming, shouting teacher. I don't know. I definitely had one of these when I was little. You know, most of my teachers were great, but you always had one that you, you were a bit afraid of or you didn't like very much. And they tended to be maybe the people that weren't as 
you know, mindful, I guess, or, you know, they tended to be over your shoulder and not making you feel very comfortable. That's what we do to ourselves. How can we expect our bodies to learn and be, be doing what we want them to be doing if we're shouting and screaming at them all the time, mm-hmm. sort of saying, you know, why, why, why aren't you doing this? You know, we're so obsessed with blaming stuff like our sleep for everything <laughs> that we don't let it be. For goodness sake, listen to it. Okay, well, um, just uh, just before we move on to the next section, I did want to, um, I love the analogy of sort of talking about rebooting our system. I love the analogy of thinking about um, our minds as the operating system and mm. being able to reboot that on a daily basis in order, order that we can run our software, whatever our yeah. software might be, more efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I totally agree with you. And I'll just give you one other concept to think about, which I often think about is um, imagine if we didn't sleep. Imagine if we had one long perpetual day. It's a bit more of a philosophical question, but it's actually amazing that we get to actually shut down and stop, not from a physiological perspective, but more from imagine if you just had one perpetual day and you just had to carry it on. Actually, there's a really nice, there's, it's nice even if you're not sleeping to have that time that stops us from running our days. And just like a computer, you get to shut it off. Now, we know that sleep isn't just a shut off process. It's actually incredibly active and doing all sorts of wonderful things in order for you to carry on. But we're not aware of that, which is brilliant, is it not? To, to actually just be able to go off. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I will use, um, I talk openly about meditation all the time. I'm, a, you know, I, I practice it daily. Um, and that for me is that time as well. It's able to just that time of being able to reboot, just to switch off and that feeling sometimes of being able to just step away from whatever it is that you're mm. facing, whatever challenge that day is just blissful. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> absolutely absolutely anything that you can do that's like that i wish we had never taught children that daydreaming was not good i know that obviously when you're in the middle of a lesson you're trying to teach a child something really important you don't really want them to daydream but actually i wish we had you know at that age when we are obsessed with d- daydreaming and we're better at it we should have probably been teaching children then to meditate yeah. and all sorts of things because they would have that they are and hopefully in the future we are doing this now yeah. um you know really get people to harness because our ideas of relaxation mindfulness meditation i know they're all slightly different things but that it's different we're all going to find that bliss differently but i just wish i mean don't you love it when you have that feeling of um sort of you just your you your mind wanders and you're staring into space it's lovely Okay, so Stephanie, moving on then into to our next section, um, I want to talk to you about a prescription drug that um, I've been aware. I mean, I know it's been around for a long time, but just recently, um, in conversation with my my teenage university sons, actually, we've been talking about the prescription drug modafinil. Um, and um, we know that it's a drug that's used to treat fatigue and narcolepsy Uh, but we also know that it's massively popular among CEOs, high achievers and university students too to enhance performance and I think if I'm right in saying um, so my university student sons were telling me that the film Limitless which I've watched numerous times was based on this drug. Um, I'm fascinated to know whether or not sort of based on you know the the intense pressures 
that our frontliners are facing at the moment um, and the lack of sleep you know I mean deprived we know what what sleep deprivation severe sleep deprivation can do to us I'm fascinated to know whether or not a, a drug like that might be something that they would turn to um, especially potentially sort of government leaders you know they're making life and death decisions every single day at the moment you know what what are your thought processes on that and let's talk about long-term effects if they do turn to something like that to keep going okay uh, okay lots of things there well the first thing to just note is that we think right now in the research that probably modafinil doesn't do anything to enhance your cognitive abilities so whilst we, it might promote you to feel a bit more alert during the day and yes we do use it in narcoleptics that's really all we know it does and we don't really understand why it does that yet um, there are lots of side effects you know dizziness um, nausea, migraines, um, all sorts of things. It can make you feel jittery and anxious. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. When we look at sleep and what we tend to do, we, we love reactive tools, don't we? We love things that will fix us in five seconds. And we are a very um, pill popping type of culture. Um, and so even if we're not talking about modafinil, even if we're talking about alcohol or just prescribed sleeping pills, which we know usually that we won't prescribe those for long term problems because we know there's no evidence for helping in long term situations. Um, but uh, yeah, so often people, even I know friends who are GPs, they will pop a sleeping pill when they're on a flight, for example, because they know they're not going to sleep and they really want to. And I totally understand that. And in the short term, something is brief as that it's not the end of the world but when you start using these things consistently unfortunately as well as all the side effects the sort of immediate side effects of that kind of thing um you're looking at the way it affects your sleep so if you're starting to promote your wakefulness you're, you're no longer you're no longer focusing on your natural sleep wake drive and it's kind of a fake alertness and a fake sleepiness depending on whether you're using a wake promoting drug or a sleep promoting drug and eventually it's just, you're, you're not gonna be able to do it without it. And so you're gonna build all these unhelpful habits like, you know, uh, going away from your natural sleep-wake routine and having to rely on it even more. So not even, so not only do you then sort of move away from all those routines and, and suddenly you really can't survive without it, but you, you, you're getting an addiction. You're becoming addicted potentially Crush. to these things. Exactly. And then they start to do things like change your personality and you then you can start increasing mental health problems and all sorts of things. So absolutely, I totally understand. And I have unfortunately already seen some people on the very front line of all what's going on at the moment start relying on things like alcohol to try and initiate sleep. But unfortunately, um, and this is a good example of what I mean by all of this. Um, yes, alcohol gives you a sedatory feeling for about an hour after you've had it. But the problem is that goes away and it's fake and your body has to metabolize the alcohol. And when it does, it gives you this sort of wake rebound. So in the short term, you might initiate sleep, but just like a lot of sleeping pills, they won't help you maintain your sleep. So you actually end up with a worse night of sleep, but mm. you feel maybe psychologically better because you initiated it, whereas you're so worried about it not being initiated. Imagine if we could just take that worry about it not being initiated away. And then you just wouldn't worry about it and you'd be fine. Yeah. You wouldn't need that, that. And unfortunately, in the long term, we know that a lot of alcohol consumption can reduce your REM cycles. And we need our REM cycles, which is a stage of sleep. It's a very active stage of sleep. Um, we know that it's probably 
for our psychological well-being and memory consolidation and processing. Um, we still don't know a lot, we really don't, but that is what we know right now. And you start taking that away. And if you start mucking up sleep like that, then you are going to have psychological and physiological you know, uh, outcomes that aren't great from this. Um, so unfortunately, it is the case as across the board with any kind of medications that are very reactive tools for long-term problems that have, look at the evidence base long-term, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And you'll probably find that there is no evidence base long-term. And in fact, they can be fairly dangerous or change the way you live. And they don't actually do what you thought they did. So they don't, yeah. yeah. You know, it's a bit like caffeine. We think that by having caffeine, we are going to become more efficient. No, we just become more jittery and we, we perceive ourselves to be running quicker, but we actually don't get anything done more efficiently than if we hadn't had it at all. So really you're just taking it because it psychologically, it makes you feel like things are working better, but they're not actually working better. Okay. It's exactly the same. Okay, so so almost the placebo effect going on there. Um, it's not necessarily a placebo effect because it's doing something. You know, your heart rate's increased, you're getting jittery. We can yeah. tell ourselves it's doing something for yeah. us. Yeah. Convince ourselves. It's just not, yeah, it's just not doing the thing that you think it's doing. You know, it's, it is making you have less fatigue and making you more awake. Great. But as you know, and unfortunately in my day, when I was at uni a long time ago, um, uh, it was all about Pro Plus. Uh, sort of a weight promoting drug you know just caffeine based strong uh, yeah. lots of caffeine lots of sugar um, but unfortunately what does it do it keeps your eyes open sure but I remember trying to pull an all-nighter with pro plus and yeah I was wired to staying awake but I couldn't concentrate I couldn't do anything so it's very interesting how we use these things versus what, what, what actually do they do versus how they make us feel? Yeah. But it's just like sleeping pills, isn't it? You know, psychologically, why is it that we're so obsessed with this idea that we must go to bed at the same time every night? Even a good sleeper is never, ever, ever going to get the consistent sleep every single night. They're never going to get that eight hours. They're yeah. never, ever going to do that because every day is different. And sometimes they are just going to take a bit longer to go to sleep. It yeah. is normal to get sleep problems. That is your body's way of adjusting to change. And eventually they'll go away unless we alter all of our behaviors through our own expectations and lack of information. And then suddenly we've got perpetual sleep problems on top of everything else. And like you said, right at the beginning of this episode, um, you know, when you don't get a good night's sleep, it's, it's unlike anything else because everything is personified or amplified. Um, you know, you, you will, you'll get, you'll, if it's a good day and you have a good sleep, you, you know, brilliant, amazing. You feel like you're on top of the world. Yeah. If you have bad sleep and then you have a bad day, you know, it, it, it's it, going to be. It's, it's fascinating in the sense that, you know, sort of so many experts, there's, so many experts talk about a kind of an optimal time frame. So it's like, you've got to get your eight hours in. And yet I know, and I know, you know, through conversations, for example, me personally, I know that I can get by on six hours of sleep as so long as it's consistent. Yes. When I move things around and I might sleep in until seven or, or eight, but I know that if I'm asleep before midnight and I'm up at six and I'm getting my meditations in during the day, then I'm as wake as you can be. Uh, and so but at the same time you know we we do know that a lack of sleep can have the same effect on you as, as kind of drinking too much or you know I, I know that 
you know, I saw a fascinating talk at TEDx Exeter last year, or a couple of years ago, I don't know if you saw that one, um, talking about the effects of um, uh, sort of so many hours of lack of sleep being the same as drink driving. Yeah, uh, yeah, I understand. And that's true. But really, you just said it all there when you said consistency and the timing of sleep, your body's much more interested in being consistent and the timing of your sleep. So when you're sleeping, having that regular opportunity to sleep let's think about sleep deprivation you would actively have to be restricting yourself every single night restricting yourself to a certain amount of sleep you're not restricting yourself at all um, yes if you knew that you needed six hours and you actively restricted yourself to four hours consistently over time then you are actively sleep depriving yourself and yes that will lead to problems. But if you naturally only need a certain amount of time, and indeed when you get that time on a regular basis, you're fine, then great. And even sometimes if one day you don't get as much and then the next day you get a bit more, that's also fine. That's Your body is fine with that. Um, so it's, it's more about, I think these, some of these studies are a bit misleading because they don't take into account long sleepers and short sleepers, of which there are many. Um, it just looks at um, very sort of lab specific kind of data or very controlled um, variables or, you know, just things that aren't going to equate to everyday life. You're never going to get something every single night. Yes, tonight, maybe you wake up six times and you're not sleeping and you figure out that you weren't sleeping for at least three hours. Okay. Okay. If that consistently exactly the same thing happened to you every single night and exactly the same times. Um, which it wouldn't because your body does learn to recover in certain ways. It's just that unfortunately when we have insomnia, it feels like it's a lack of sleep, but actually we, we notice that over time there's not actually that much lack of sleep. So if you look over a month period of that person, you'll notice there is recovery sleeps in there. It's just not happening the way they want it. It's not happening with expectations in line with expectations. And I understand that we want consistent sleep every night and there is a way of doing it, but unfortunately the ways that we have learned aren't necessarily the right ways. That is all it is. Um, but yes, you're absolutely right. If you know that you're a six hour sleeper and that you can do that, that's fine for you. That is absolutely fine. Everybody is different. And that is, that's the, the main important thing I would say. It did upset me a little bit when we came out with the guidelines because sleep does seem to be a very popular and very personal topic mm. and so then dictating how much sleep we should get even if you give a sort of a ballpark on it you'll mm. go when you you know there's a lot of people that are outliers in that genetically and that's fine they're still here they're still thriving they've still got businesses they've still got children or whatever it is that they find themselves they're still living their life yeah. um so it is about how you look at research unfortunately I think um, I think the word should has a lot to answer for. Yes, yes. <laughs> Can induce the worst kind of anxiety. Because... Oh my gosh, absolutely. <laughs> as soon as we say that, we're like, oh my gosh, is it... so what I've been doing is wrong all this time. We, we do seem to be very obsessed. I definitely have this where someone says, oh no, this should be how it works. And then you think, well, that's not how I work. It's, that is literally my entire business when I was taught how I should do business at the beginning. And I was like, oh my God, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I, don't, I didn't do that. I didn't do this very strict business plan and had it all structured and out of place. And then, you know, actually it worked anyway. So <laughs> don't fix it if it's not broken. <laughs> 
along. Okay, um, Stephanie, let's move to towards wrapping this one up then. But I, I, I want to touch on um, go back to where we were talking about with regard to the to the behaviours. How how can we? What what would be your three top tips? I love this question. <laughs> through this time and just to ease back on the pressures we might be feeling and anxieties around sleep and everything else how can we make this time the easiest for us to get through okay so the first thing i would say is just literally let go of this pressure to get the perfect sleep it doesn't exist it really doesn't um, I don't ever see it. So, yeah, and I, I see a lot of people and a lot of sleep studies in both research and clinical uh, places. Um, so please try not to worry about your sleep. It is okay. Whatever you're doing right now, it is absolutely okay. And it is normal when we are going through stress, which we are all going through right now to have not great sleep. Okay. And so any problems that you're getting with your sleep, whether that's unusual activity in your sleep, night terrors, for example, sleepwalking, sleep talking, whether it is dreaming a lot in your sleep even if they're recurrent dreams and maybe they're a bit scary or whether it is just that you are finding it hard to get to sleep and trying hard to finding it hard to maintain your sleep that is all normal right now so just accept that and relax a little bit that it's okay and if you do the right things you probably will be able to get yourself out of that eventually now the first thing being try to wake up at the same time every day especially if you've got a problem right now so don't fix it if it's not broken, but if you want it to be boosted, wake up at the same time every day. If you're thinking, oh my gosh, that seems like a really scary thing to do right now, then that just shows me how far away you are from a natural site, like a good routine that's going to help you feel refreshed in the morning. Do it even if you don't get a good night's sleep, even if you've got no sleep, don't compensate in the morning. And indeed, don't compensate any time during the day, what, lying in, going to bed early, even if you're not sleepy. Give yourself permission to go to bed later. So if you're not sleepy yet, just remember the golden rule, the more time you spend awake, the more likely you are to get sleepy. And then you're telling yourself when you're not going to sleep. So there's a time in the morning where you're like, right, I'm going to stop trying now. I've got to get up to do my day. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get light. I'm going to get movement, all those things. I'm going to have a great day. doesn't matter how I feel. Don't let your mood affect your sleep. And then you're going to wait until you feel sleepy that night. So that's kind of what I would say. So don't worry about your sleep. Relax. It's normal. If you're struggling, just stay out of the bedroom. Don't be, don't be forcing yourself to sleep. Give yourself permission to stay up later if you need to. Wake up at the same time every morning and keep all those activities going that you usually do. Stay social, stay moving, stay going outside when we're allowed to. Stay getting light exposure. And that's how you will stay on a nice even keel throughout of this and yes you're going to have not great sleep sometimes but that will be normal too yes yeah perfect gosh i feel i feel all relaxed now oh good i'm so glad it's the pressure i think once you know it's it's the expectation of should and the, and that sort of whole panicky feeling that you get if, if you feel things are spiraling but actually just stop just relax a little bit and then we, actually I, I will just just touch on this a bit because we were, yes. we were saying earlier that there is a big difference between sleep and relaxation yes absolutely and they're both needed but they're both very different things and relaxation 
doesn't always lead to sleep and your expectation that it will will leave you feeling like you're not like everybody else because relaxation have, is having this massive boom at the moment these apps and anxiety reduction techniques fantastic they're all brilliant but they are not designed to make you sleep they are designed to reduce your anxiety and to help you to relax if you have those expectations they will work for you and the only way you're going to get sleep is by spending more time awake <laughs> so that's the difference So Stephanie, before we wrap up, I just want to mention um, your new online courses that are, if I'm right in saying, up and running now on your website. Yes, yeah, so actually we've designed another website for them. So if you go to sleepyheadprogram.com, um, there's a new uh, do-it-yourself online course um, because at the moment, if you are really struggling with sleep or you have done for a very long time, it is the perfect time to actually retrain your brain to sleep better. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you. Well, for, for all of the links to get hold of you and that link to your um, website, I'll pop them all down below for you. Thanks so much for listening to my conversation with Stephanie. For more on her work or to get in touch and find out more about those online courses, you'll find all the links below. Remember, you are the solution finders, you are the entrepreneurs, the change makers, the leaders. You don't need to know all the right answers, but your tribes, customers and teams need to hear that it will be okay and that together you can make common sense decisions based on the information emerging each day. That's it for today's episode. If you have a chance, please rate and review, hit subscribe to keep up with new episodes and pass it along to a friend. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you'll come back next Friday for more. And in the meantime, please stay safe. I'll look out for each other. And most importantly, be kind. Bye.